Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. We've talked to Travis Shaw a few times on this podcast, but this felt like a good time to revisit with the guy who is now the Milwaukee Brewers third baseman, and obviously the former third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are struggling at third base right now, trying to find an answer still after last year. Shaw, he's doing pretty well. He's hitting lefties for the Brewers, playing every day for Milwaukee. And also, I don't know if you knew this, the Red Sox are going to visit the Milwaukee Brewers and Travis Shaw starting on Tuesday. So once again, it felt like a good time to catch up with Shaw and find out how he's doing. Shaw was good. Shaw talked a lot about his feelings about the trade, his feelings about what transpired last year with the Red Sox and, and really how he has changed since leaving the Red Sox. It's a good conversation. He's been on the podcast before, but this might be his best appearance yet. Travis Shaw is back. He is back. Numerous appearances on the Bradfoe Show, and he is back, but he's back in a different capacity. This is actually, Travis, this is your second appearance as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, so congratulations on that. Yeah, the one and only Bradford show. Love doing it. <laughs> well, if if you remember the one of the biggest takeaways from the previous one, which was after you get traded, uh, was that you said that the media stood around breaking news to me that everyone thought the media that stood around the clubhouse eavesdropping on people. So I didn't want to <laughs> I wanted to know if that dynamic was the same in Milwaukee as it is in Boston. No, 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 no. It's a little it's a little different here. We only have a few guys that travel around and come every day so it's i mean it's night and day from what it is in boston yeah so it's first off and congratulations first off on getting a good start with your new team the milwaukee brewers um and i assume that you finally got your your fair share of gear and and hats and everything else that you didn't have the last time we talked to you um 
But what's what is the biggest difference? What is what is the biggest? Give me the power rankings of the the differences between playing in Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, the big, di- I mean, obviously it's way more laid back um, in Milwaukee. They they do have great fans. We we've actually had pretty good support, pretty good attendance at home. But obviously it's not a sellout every single night like it is in Boston, and uh, just a lot more a lot more laid back. You don't have to you go for four, you don't have to answer questions on what's wrong with you every single night. So. That's that's a big difference, and it's. Uh, I mean, so far I've enjoyed it, and obviously it's not in the in the spotlight. We don't have we don't have seven o'clock getaway games every series. A lot of, a lot of day games in the NL Central, which which is a lot better for the for the travel. So, do you think that the whole the whole scene in Boston? And you're right. I mean, it's not hyperbole when you talk about you have to stand in front of your locker, even on days right you didn't even play, because if you're available, we're going to talk to you. And, by the way, since you were a good quote, we're also going to talk to you. So is, is, do you think that that whole scene, that whole experience of a year and a half in Boston has helped you say, hey, you know what, I can handle anything that comes my way in Milwaukee? I do. I mean, growing up in the Red Sox system, they actually do a really good job preparing minor leaguers for what you experience in Boston media-wise and the spotlight and everything. So when you get up there, at least to me, it seemed just normal. I just thought that's how it was everywhere. You get in the big leagues, people want to know stuff, people are always around. Now going to the other side of it, to Milwaukee, where it's a lot more laid back, now you see the difference. And it's, I mean, it's not for every Boston's obviously not for everybody. No, uh, plenty of people have struggled going there for the first time. And um, looking back on it now, if you come from the outside going into Boston, you can kind of understand how much of a shock it is at first. And, uh, I never understood that until obviously until coming over here and experiencing everything over here. Do you? Uh, how much do you follow the Red, Red Sox? What's going on? I would imagine you text these guys and everything else. But as someone who got traded for the first time in your life, I've never been traded, but I, I am surmising that when you get traded, I would you look back at the team that you were traded from, and like you said, you came up through the system. Is this something where you check every single day what was going on? I mean, do you have have my? Uh, Twitter feed on constantly, the other reporters' Twitter feeds on constantly, and just and wanted to consume everything with the Red Sox as your diversion away from what's going on with the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, I keep I keep track of everybody. Thanks. I have really good friends on there, Mookie, Brock, all those guys. So I, I talk to them frequently. I mean, not every day, but multiple times a week still, and um, obviously good relationships with the guys over there. And I keep I keep track of the box scores, and then. Obviously, everybody on Twitter. Yes, I mean, it's on Twitter all the time with all the with all your guys' Red Sox Orioles drama going on right now. It's hard to ignore. Yeah. So, what was your take on that? Since you can be a, a uh, innocent bystander of the whole situation, did anything about the and there was a lot that happened, but did anything about that whole thing surprise you? The latest behind Machado surprised me a little bit. I mean, I thought. I thought it was over after a while. I mean, I get it why they hit or hit Manny or tried to hit Manny even get hit actually. But, um, I didn't think it was a malicious swap slide. Those bases can be slick. I mean, obviously it's an unfortunate situation. Pedro got hurt because of it. Um, I don't think he was trying to hurt Dustin just by the, the look of the slide. I mean, it is it's still a bad slide, but I don't I don't think there was any intent to hurt him. But I mean, they did what they wanted to do and. And obviously, it's still it's still carrying over a little bit. So, did you hate the Orioles? Did, did, was that was that a thing like last year when you were the Red Sox? Did you? It, it's it's a lot of times. This is eyewash. This whole 
oh, this team hates this team or the rivalry. Like if the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, I, I think that's sort of something that's built in. It's not even a reality. But when you were playing for the Red Sox, was there element of, of any sort of, I don't know, like discomfort with the Orioles? Not really. I mean, not to the extent that I that it looks like this year that there is. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that. I felt like, honestly, last year, at least me personally, I got the most joy out of beating Toronto than it was Baltimore. But um, I don't think it was – it's definitely not to the extent that it was this year, at least watching on TV. Why? Why Toronto? I don't know. You just, you just uh, did. It was just they, they. I don't know. They had that. They had that swag. Obviously, they they won the American League East the, the year before. They had the swag, and it was, it was kind of an, like I, I like a lot of the guys on their team. Like I'm, I'm friends with a couple of the guys off the field, but on the field, it was just they annoyed me last year, and I don't know why. Can I just tell you one spot that you would have been potentially missed hugely, is if there was a bench clearing brawl. Because I was going up and down the roster. There's a lot of talented players on the Red Sox, but there's not a lot of big guys. You're a big guy. I mean, I, so yeah, big, big teddy bear though. I don't know how how well I would do in a fight. You ever been in a fight? I have not. Nope. Never been part of a bench clearing situation. Nope. Really? Nope. The closest oh. I got was last year when Headley and Porcello started going at it a little bit. That was the closest I got. And where were you? I was up against Headley. <laughs> there you go. See, you were very intimidating. You you prevented the whole situation from from getting steam. Yep. <laughs> so when you look at as since you keep track of the Red Sox and what's going on, um, you are doing very well with the Brewers. You found your spot. You're on your career path, which you established really a year and a half ago. So good for you. Congratulations. But you you look back at you look at what the Red Sox are going through now and still struggle at third base. Um, is there an element, I know that you like it in Milwaukee, but is there an element of, wow, if I just got my chance, I could really, in this big market, in this place where, they, where maybe they didn't prioritize me as much as they should, that I could be doing what I'm doing in Milwaukee, or I could be doing what I did for most of the year last year at that position? Yeah, I mean, you look back on it, last year was the first full year I was in the big leagues, and uh, a lot of guys go through struggles in their first year in the big leagues, and um I wasn't overly concerned. Obviously, the second half of the year wasn't wasn't good at all. But I was not overly concerned, and I was overmatched in any any situation in that market or anything. But obviously, they had different plans. And um, coming into this year, I knew after experiencing what I experienced the second half of the season, the game benched and not performing very well, I knew I was going to be a better player because of it. Um, I kind of got a grasp on more of a grasp on how I was as a player, what I needed to do to prepare, um, stay consistent with that preparation. And um, going into this year, I, I honestly did think that I was going to be a better player because of it. And it just happened that uh, they filled a need in the bullpen that they thought they needed. And I come over here now and get a chance to play every day again, which who knows if that would have been the case in Boston or not. But I get a chance to play every day, another year of experience, second full season in the big league now, I hopefully – uh, my plan is it's going to be a lot more consistent from here on out. When the season ended last year, deep down, now that you're grandfathered in, you can be honest, deep, after the season's over, you're thinking, I am going to be a member of the Boston Red Sox and I'm going to be able to prove all the things that you just said, or I am going to be a piece they used to get something else. What was your feeling? Not be, not after the trade, not even that, that day of the trade, but after the season ended. Realistically, um, looking at the roster, I knew – I was kind of the odd man out in the whole situation. I had a feeling that they were going to give Pablo another chance. 
he obviously was in great shape at the end of the year. Um, I moved to Fort Myers. I saw him personally. He was worked extremely hard this off season. And looking at the roster in a realistic way, I thought if somebody was going to be moved as a position player, that it made sense that I was the guy who was going to be moved. Not saying I wanted to be traded or thought I was going to be traded. I just thought if a major league player needed to be moved, it kind of made sense that I was going to be the guy. Is there an element after your trade of I'll show you? Again, I, once again, I don't know if you knew this. I have not been traded as a Major League Baseball player. But if I was, I would have that element of I'll show you that I am a better player than you thought I was. Yeah, I think that, I think that happens with everybody. It's, you want to win the trade. And that was everybody's a competitor. I'm a competitor. And obviously going into this year, there's some determination to kind of prove that I'm an everyday player again since I lost that spot at the end of last year. But uh, along with proving that I'm an everyday player still was win the trade. And that's something that I took personally, not took personally, but I, I really wanted to establish myself as an everyday third baseman again and obviously just win the trade. What are you better at now than you were uh, when you started last? At this point last year, you were on a roll. that You had a great spring training and you had a great first couple months. But what were you? What are you better at now than you were even then uh, at the beginning of May last year? Uh, not worrying about stuff out of my control. I, I read a lot of stuff last year. Concerned myself with like little mini slumps. I think it's. I, mean, I don't know if the Boston media had anything to do with that, but like you start to you struggle for three or four days, and it's like, what's going on? What's going on? I learned to kind of just ignore all the noise from the outside and. Uh, not really change the way I prepare every day. It's, it worked for me in the beginning of the year. <clears throat> worked for me in spring training. Just stay to the basics. Stay with what I I know I need to do to prepare every day. And um, going through the struggles and the, the the losing your starting spot, everything. I just a lot of that was a, re, a little bit of a reality check, and uh, just it's it's going to keep me hungry this year. And obviously, I on, I think with experience comes consistency. Consistency is not something you can really practice or teach. I think it just comes with more and more reps and more and more time. So going back to that, I'm not asking you to identify an article or a sound clip or anything else, but do you remember an instance, like you said, when you're reading it and you're you're saying, I I don't want to get involved in this. I don't want to get my head uh, wrapped around this. I don't want it to worry about this, but do you remember whether it was a time of the year, a subject, a topic, uh, a general group of articles that you said, well, man, that is, that is a, in hindsight, that affected what I was doing. It wasn't an art, it was a trade. It was when we acquired, or when the Red Sox acquired Aaron Hill. Um, at the time, obviously I was struggling for a two, three-week period, four-week period, whatever that was. Um, wasn't playing like I was in April and May, but at the same time, my numbers, I thought personally, were. I mean, I'm hitting sixth, seventh in the order at the time. I think I was on pace for 20 plus homers, driving 80 plus towards the bottom half of the order. They make that trade, and I stopped playing every day. It was like, why? What's 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 going on? I understand that I was struggling at the time, but I think that was when I sort of got caught up in everything. It was like, why did they make that trade? Da 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 da. da. And then it was like, try to do more keep that spot to play every day, and then it just spiraled out of control from there. So you had two moments, really. You had the trade, you had, the, and then you had the Mankata thing. Do you remember talking 
to whether, I don't know if it's Farrell, whether it was Lavello, whether it was Ortiz, whether it was anybody, of being able to, to voice your opinion on this other than, you know, your buddies and you're just talking. Were you able to sort of formally address this, either one of those situations? Um, I mean, you got to be careful in those situations when you don't want to You keep a lot in. You think a lot runs through your head during those times. Is like, what's going on? What are they thinking? And that's where you start. That's where you start getting into trouble. That's where you're looking into stuff that you can't control because that's, that's out of your control every day. And uh, Corey was a big part of keeping me sane the second half of the season last year. And um, I had numerous conversations with him during BP uh, the second half of the season. But um, like I said, that's that's where it kind of spiraled out of control was reading into stuff once they start once that stuff started happening. Why is it going on? That's where you kind of lose track of who you are as a player was the most gratifying i would imagine there was a couple probably a couple gratifying moments after sort of you know you had the struggles and then then they brought in the mancata and everything else to me i would guess one would be that friday night in oakland another would be what was it it was uh was it the last game in san diego you had another good really good game and then those were the those were the only two games I played on that road trip. Right, exactly. I remember you worked out in left field, right? Yeah. So, so, but I would okay. This, that that Friday because I was expertly calling broadcasting that game, and um and we had you on on the on the post the hero of the game post show uh, on the broadcast, and I, so I remember distinctly that game. That was all right. Mankata's here. We're going to ease him in. We're going to ha- let him have a day in the major leagues, and then he's going to play basically all the time. And then you have this mammoth game in Oakland. I would imagine there was that was a in your professional career nothing against Johan Mancada and they got to make a decision to make but for you personally that was see see that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean it's a good game. It just happened to be in that situation. So uh, I knew the I knew the situation going in that he was going to take over after that. And, um, it just happened that I had a good game that night. Yeah, and then you had another good game, and in between you worked out in left field and never played there, and you will never probably play there again, right? You are entrenched as a major league third baseman, I think. Congratulations. Everybody, forget, hey, everybody forgets that I'm actually a first baseman. No, I don't forget that. I think I think a lot of people forget that I'm actually a first baseman. I consider myself a first baseman that can play third, not the other way around. And honestly, as long as I can hold on to third base, it's obviously going to help my career, keep being versatile. and um, I enjoy both, and I'm, I, I want to hang on to third base as long as I can, but I just feel like a lot of people forget that I'm probably a little bit better defensively at first than I am at first. Well, one thing, you know, not to, not to build you up here, but one thing I noticed right out of the gate when you started playing third base, because you were put at third base, you won the job, a lot of people didn't even put that on the radar, but you are a pretty good third baseman and you're a tremendously accurate thrower. So if you want to put that on your resume that I called you a tremendously accurate thrower, go ahead. Um, but it, you know, this isn't a first baseman just biding their time at third base. Don't sell yourself short. In other, in other words, no, no, no. I, I mean, I can play third base at a big league level. I think I'm confident in my abilities over there. It's just I feel like a lot of people forget that my natural position is first base. Yeah, that's fair. Wait, now you're not. Now you're going to be at third base because you have a first baseman. I don't yeah. Know. He hits home runs. He hits home, he hits home runs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? By the way, Eric Eric pronounced his last name for us for a song. I know how to pronounce it, but I wanted you get to pronounce Thames. it. What? Thames. Thames. Eric Thames. Thames. 
Like people want to say Thames, Thames, no, whatever. Oh, I said pronounce the T-H. Yeah, Thames. Did you see that coming? Did you even know him? Did you know anything about him? No, I knew nothing about him. I mean, he shows up to spring training and looks like a WWE wrestler. He's <laughs> huge. He doesn't lift. I was like, he tells me he gets too tight when he lifts, so he does a lot of stretching, a lot of band stuff. But um, I think he was just easing in in spring training. He had a, you know, he had an okay spring training. It wasn't like he hit. He definitely wasn't hitting like he was now. But then April comes, and I'll tell you what, he. I mean, it's impressive. Left field, center field, right field. He's, so what's he do if he doesn't lift? Does he like push-ups and like the Bo Jackson workout or Herschel Walker? Herschel Walker's before your time, but what does he do? Stretch? He does a lot. Yeah, he does a lot of stretching. A lot of stretching. Oh, like that's He's weird. been drug tested four times this year already, so <laughs> yeah, don't have to worry about. That, no, I'm not too. questioning. Listen, I'm not questioning him. I'm just, I'm just asking for my own personal uh, well-being. I, so I'm going to go yeah, out and do some stretching. He's a he's a big boy. What what big boy. what's the what is the clubhouse like there compared to the Red Sox clubhouse? Very young. We only have a couple veterans. You have Ron. You have Garza, uh, Feliz. But other than that, it's a lot of guys in my situation. First, second, a lot of pre-arbitration guys, um, just trying to prove that they're everyday guys. And it's it's been a fun locker room. Everybody's right around my age. Everybody's young and hungry. And uh, I think we're a lot better than people. We're going to give us credit for it at the beginning of the year. We're above 500 right now, but um, time will tell how how it'll be. It's technically, they're calling it a rebuild. They still think they're a year or two away, but um, so far, so good this year. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about all of a sudden you become the young guy to the leader, but I want to ask you this: when a lot of has been made, we talked earlier about the Baltimore situation and the leadership and the clubhouse and all of that, and I always thought last year. The, the, you had Ortiz and you had Pedroia, which they are going to be the leaders. We get it. But the majority of the, the, the tone of that clubhouse was going to be the group that you were kind of in, that group of the Mookie and, the, and you and the Xander, and, and because it was no longer, I hope I'm a major leaguer, I am a major leaguer. Would that be accurate to say when we talk about leadership in the Red Sox clubhouse, that's the group, right? Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think once David left, that torch, obviously PD's the veteran in that in that clubhouse now, but that torch, position player-wise, that core group has been, that torch has been passed to the Mookie, Jackie, Xander. We all came up together. We played at every single, basically every single minor league level together. And just the familiarity with everybody there. And the 2011 draft class with a couple of the other guys, it was, it was that group that was supposed to be the next wave, the next core group that was going to be with the Red Sox for however long into the future. And uh, at least that's what I that's what I felt. So when you get there and you bring your crate of uh, Mayor of Ding Dong City, right? That's it, right? Mayor Ding Dong City. Uh, yeah. You give those, you spread those around the clubhouse. They say, "What? What? What is this? What's going on?" Or did they make new T-shirts? Is there a new Travis Shaw slogan in Milwaukee? No, there's not a new slogan yet. A lot of the fans still, I mean, obviously Twitter is a wonderful tool. All the fans kind of still go with it. They took, the players didn't really recognize it until some, somebody must have looked at my my bio and saw it, and it kind of spread throughout the clubhouse about midway through spring training. But it took a while. I, didn't, I don't broadcast that nickname if, it, if they want to call me that. They call me that. It's not like I don't, I don't call myself that. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Since you don't want to spread out those T-shirts, I'll send you a bunch of at Bradford T-shirts. And you can have the whole Milwaukee go. Brewers team wear them. Um, <laughs> be- before I let you go, I thank you for your time. Is there anything that you want me to f- fill you in on what's going on in Boston at all? 
was, again, when I asked you this question before, you, you revealed how the players felt about the evil, evil media, and I appreciate that because now we have adjusted. Um, is there anything else you want to ask? Who, uh, one question. Who took over my locker? Ooh, that's a good one. So you did not have you did not have the Mike. Had Victor- you, you had did you have the Mike Napoli locker? No, I had the Victorina locker with all the stickers on it. Okay, all right. So Hanley moved to Ortiz, but were yep. you were you the last one? No, that was Hanley's I, locker, right? It was Hanley. It was Hanley. Hanley had an empty one beside him, and then me. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that it's uh, Josh Rutledge. Okay. <laughs> so 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 Josh Rutledge has had not had t-shirts made up uh, about him yet but you know there's still time I guess but there's in terms of people switching locker Price moved over to Buckles's locker and Hanley moved to Ortiz's locker other than Benintendi Benintendi's right in the middle there on that road that you were so he's right smack dab in the middle I think he might be next to Pedroia Right there. Okay. Oh, no, I, I take that back. I am sorry. I am not thinking clearly. He is the first locker when you come in the door, the casino greeter of the group. Oh. Yeah. He's not on, not on the position player row right there? Yeah, he is. No, I'm saying that oh, the, the, first, fir- okay. the, first, the first one. So, yeah, there's uh, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, though, why players get lockers. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I appreciate the time, Travis. Congratulations. And, and uh, obviously you're going to hit like 15 home runs in the coming days when the Red Sox come to town. So I'll give you congratulations ahead of time on that. But once again, uh, a stalwart on the Bradfoe Show. Much appreciated. All right. Thanks, guys. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. How did one man go from the scion of a Bay Area sausage company to triple murderer? Bud Stewart was always just a little off the rails. I'm Natalia Gravich, and I explored this question and many others on The Sausage King, a new podcast from KCBS Radio and Odyssey. He would park the truck with the pig and the straw in front of my campaign headquarters. Didn't like to follow any rules. Subscribe and listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.